Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut, clean shaven if you're watching on YouTube. I'm in New York City after a late night in studio, CBS Sports Network, quadruple header. Woo boy. First post-pan... We're not post-pandemic. First... <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> but first, um, since the pandemic started, first quadruple header I've had to deal with. That, that took some uh, adjusting. And was it a wild Tuesday or was it a wild Tuesday? On Tuesday morning, uh, we had two undefeated teams left in Division I men's college basketball. It was, of course, Baylor and USC. Now it's Wednesday morning. We have zero. And that's because number five USC uh, lost at Stanford 75-69. And then top-ranked Baylor Lost at home to Texas Tech, 65-62. Dead leg, I know, because I remember our conversation, that in the preseason, you didn't think we'd have an undefeated team this deep into the season. But once we did, I can't imagine you thought we'd lose them the last two, both of them, yesterday. Did It happened so fast. It was over so abruptly. It did happen abruptly. We have a trivia time off the top. Let's go. You ready? I mean, probably not, but we'll give it our best shot. I think you might have a shot here. All right. So Baylor loses. USC loses uh, on Tuesday. There are no more undefeated teams, but also that means the two longest win streaks are now, or the previous longest win streaks are now gone. So with those teams losing, what teams currently, and they have the same number, obviously, there are two teams hold the longest active win streaks in men's college basketball. I'll go Auburn for one. Auburn is one of them. And it's a 12-game winning streak. Oh, we'll get to that in a second. We will. And who has the second longest winning streak? I haven't checked your top 25 and one. I am prone to believe that you have not put this team in your top 25 and one, but I would think that you have considered them. Is it Texas A&M? It is not Texas A&M. As the former in-person MC pre-pandemic of A10 Media Day. Davidson, um, Wildcats. Davidson. You do not have Davidson ranked, right? No, but I have considered it. That's Bob McKillop's Davidson Wildcats, led by Foster Lawyer. Correct. Who who didn't play so well uh, Tuesday night, but uh, entering that game was shooting 52% from three, averaging 16 points per game after three years as a role player at Michigan State. Yeah, weirdly enough, and we'll get to Baylor in probably about 17 seconds here. We had a dribble handoff on Tuesday where you highlighted Foster Lawyer. Coincidentally enough, I had a small thing planned in the court report about Foster Lawyer, uh, but I was like, ah, GP took care of it. So, yeah, Davidson and Auburn uh, both on 12-game win streaks. Those are your longest current active ones in men's college basketball, but uh, let's start with with that Baylor-Texas Tech game, GP, because, uh, listen, great win for Tech. Uh, becomes just the third team, credit to uh, to ESPN Research where I saw this, just the third team uh, Texas Tech was to come back from 15 down on the road against a number one ranked team uh, that I believe was also undefeated and win the game. They they get it done. I, I had, coincidentally enough, I had talked to a couple coaches 
earlier this season that had faced Texas Tech and had given uh, Mark Adams his proper due. Again, this is well in advance of Texas Tech's past two wins, which have been fantastic, but basically saying, listen, the, the style that he has built that Texas Tech program around when he was serving under Chris Beard now as a head coach, it's a style that's not easily uh, one that can be adapted into your own program, but still there are a lot of teams that are that are that are playing to that, and there are pros and cons to that overall, but for Tech, big time. I mean, that's... Tuesday was an awesome, awesome night of college basketball across the sport. Men's college hoops, I thought it was a top three, top four day. Texas Tech winning is the highlight. And I don't know. I couldn't find this. I want to know the last time a team did, and I'm sure it's happened somewhat recently, but Texas Tech has got back-to-back wins here, GP, against top five. Technically, uh, Kansas has now dropped out of the top five in Ken Palm, but at the time it was Kansas was top five, Baylor was top five in Ken Palm. So back-to-back wins, top five Ken Palm teams with at least one of them being on the road. Not an easy feat to do. Red Raiders are now 12 and three. And where do you have them in your Wednesday morning top 25 and one? They moved up to 16th in the top 25 and one, um, one spot behind Mike Krzyzewski's Duke Blue Devils. If you hadn't heard and you just, uh, you know, starting to listen to the podcast, Coach K is retiring at the end of the season. That's correct. We reported that a long time ago. <laughs> You're damn right we did. <laughs> Just want to make sure everybody knows. Yeah, no, no. Absolutely. Listen, there are people, the college football season is over. Yeah. And although I've, I always laugh at this idea that it's so insulting to the general sports audience that they don't have the attention capacity to, to possibly follow college basketball when, you know, there's been three college football games in the past eight days. People that I, want to get into college basketball, they 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 have at least tuned in and checked in. Uh, they don't wait until the second the national college football championship game ends to suddenly be like, who's the best team? So anyway, um, speak for yourself. That's what I do. I just started paying attention to college basketball yesterday. And yet you you knew this podcast delivered the news. This is Mike Krzyzewski's final season. So yeah, I mean, I picked, I picked that up. A, I picked that up along the way, <clears throat> but now I'm I'm laser focused. Now I'm ready to go. Let's Love get it. this college basketball season let's, underway. Let's get going. What What are your thoughts on uh, on what we saw there with uh, with Baylor and Tech? Because one, put, put, that's the best win of any team so far this season. In terms of value overall, no one can say they have a better win than Tech on the road at Baylor, a team that's going to likely be um, a number one overall seed. So that that was my biggest takeaway. What about you? Well, slow down. We, we can't go with that. Baylor's likely going to be the number one overall seed. Like, we don't know that. I'm at number one seed. If I said overall number one, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to gab with you here on a Wednesday morning after a great Tuesday. Night. But they, but they, um, they're, they're, how about this? They're on uh, pace to be, they're on track to be a number one seed and perhaps the number one overall seed. Um, by the way, I only dropped Baylor to number two in the top 25 and one. I think that's fair. They've got this, you know, they've still arguably got the best resume in the country, but they've certainly got yeah. the second best resume in the country. They're still 15 and one overall, seven and one in the first two quadrants. Um, they've got four quadrant one wins. Nobody in the country's got more than four as of um, this morning. Um, so, I, you know, if you follow the top 25 and one at all, you know, Auburn is now number one. Um, Baylor is now number two. And I was texting with you and Nada last night, and I was like, I, as I've said many times, I don't really root for any particular teams, but I do root for the top 25 and one. Um, I want it to be as, uh, as, as uncomplicated as possible each and every morning. And so I found myself in a little bit of a tough position because Baylor loses. That's your number one team. And then I had Auburn number two. But Auburn, 
technically an underdog on the road at Alabama. And at number three, I have UCLA followed by Gonzaga at number four. And I was like, okay, Baylor loses. Now, if Auburn loses, do I really have to elevate UCLA to number one? Because that's not going to go. I, I've been doing this long enough. I know what goes over well and what doesn't. And UCLA with a blowout loss to Gonzaga being number one and have, you know, they barely play. They were off nearly a month. Um, that's going to get, it's going to light my mentions up. And I had reached the point, and this is not something AP voters would do. I believe it is something I've done before, but I had reached the point where Baylor loses, Auburn loses. Mm-hmm. I just keep Baylor number one. And I make the argument they've still got the best resume in the country, even after a three-point loss to Texas Tech. And I, I, I think I could have made that, you know, still number one at Ken Palm. I think I could have made that argument pretty easily. So the Bears, uh, Bears are still fine. You know, they've got double-digit wins over Michigan State, Villanova. Like I said, still the, I, I think, in my opinion, second-best resume in the country. Um, to me, the story was Texas Tech. You know, they're missing a key player. They're, you know, operating with a, a first-year coach. And that, that not to suggest an inexperienced coach. You know, Mark Adams has been doing this for a long time. But yes. he, he is a first-year head coach at this level. And I just go back to the day, the disappointing but unsurprising day for that fan base at Texas Tech when they lose Chris Beard to Texas. Because two weeks earlier, or three weeks earlier, whatever it was, there's no reason to think that's going to happen. Shaka Smart just won the Big 12 tournament. He's off the hot seat. Texas is not going to open, so Chris Beard can't leave for Texas. And what other job is Chris Beard going to leave for? Maybe Indiana? I don't know. But, like, he's probably going to keep Chris Beard. Guy who's taking you to a Final Four, done unprecedented things. Then, boom, Texas loses Abilene Christian. Shaka's like, I ain't going back to Austin ever. He bounces to Marquette. Texas opens. Everybody in the industry knew Chris Beard was going to take that job because Texas was going to do whatever it had to do to get him. And then, it, with all due respect, on a surface level, all things equal, it's a it's a better job um, than Texas Tech. So he leaves, and that fan base is, oh, man, we just experienced the best. I don't want to speak for him, but this is the way I would feel. We just experienced the best years we've ever experienced. We had the perfect coach for our job, and now what's next? And you promote Mark, and I think that was the right move. But like we've talked about a million times, you never know if that's going to work out well. And long term, we'll see. But so far, so good. You know, they're now three and three in the first quadrant. Got wins over Baylor, Kansas, and Tennessee. And all three losses are two teams that are currently ranked in the AP poll. Like year one of Mark Adams in Lubbock, it's going really well right now. It is. I want to know if there's a coach that has a greater disparity between his overall vibe and look and the style that he coaches. Mark Adams does not look like this absolutely tenacious defensive mastermind. I don't know what that he looks great. We could, if we could, uh, if we were smart enough um, and gifted enough to know how to, you know, uh, make movies and stuff, you could take Mark Adams, put him right in the middle of a 1974 college basketball game. Yes, he'd look perfect. I, I'm loving his flow, but I, I couldn't help but uh, but notice all that. But as you mentioned, no Terrence Shannon Jr., which I thought made it more all the more impressive. Texas Tech trailed by as many as 15, down 31-16 in the first half. But uh, Adonis Arms, <laughs> listen. Adonis, the fact that there's a dude named Adonis Arms and he lives up to his name and then he threw down that dunk. That dunk gave Tech a 61.50. And I wish we could show it to everyone watching live on YouTube. Hello. We appreciate you all in the chat. Looks like we got a nice little community building there. If you are not yet subscribed, please do. Even if you listen to the podcast on your phone, 
if you could just subscribe to the YouTube channel and help us build that, it would make Nada's week. Please, please do so. Um, I wish I could show you the Adonis Arms dunk on the YouTube feed in real time, but again, that's a rights issue. We can't do it. But if you watch the game, you know what let's I'm talking about. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get into some legal trouble. Let's do it. Are you afraid of legal trouble? I'm not afraid of legal trouble. As a, I, I, know you're, I know you're not as the man who thinks he can uh, pull off extortion left and right. I can't uh, pull off extortion or advise other people who are interested in it. Exactly. There we go. Um, if you want to go ahead and chase that down, I'm uh, I'm not officially endorsing such behavior. On I mean, I don't know how to do it, video. but like, um, but I'm not scared to do it. That's the point I wanted to okay. make. All right, I, grew, I, grew, I grew up in the streets of Horn Lake, Mississippi, hometown of Nicobe Dean national champion. You think I'm scared of legal trouble? There we go. I, I, was, raised, I was raised in legal trouble. So arms throws down this absurd dunk in traffic, which we felt like was going to be the dunk of the week until and again, we'll get to this, but Alabama's J.D. Davidson, like two hours later, yammed all over Walker Kessler uh, down in Tuscaloosa. That was phenomenal. But Arms had uh, 14 points, nine boards, five assists, two blocks. The dude lives up to his name. I just love the fact that Adonis Arms was once a baby. Like, <laughs> shouts to his parents. They named this man Adonis Arms. He was walking around as Adonis Arms when he was two years old. I get so it. mad at my parents every time something it. like this comes up. Every time. Like, did my parents not realize they could have named me Adonis or Arms or Zion? Like, why my parents named me Gary Parrish? I mean, I know why. It's my father's name. I'm Gary Parrish Jr. But, like, just why would you name something Gary when you could name it Zion or Adonis? And, and I know I, you did not do this with your own children. I did name my middle kid Oliver Purnell Parish. You did. You named him after Oliver Purnell. That's correct. Right. That, that's that a deep so cut for the OGs, but yes. That's, that's as far as I could go. You know, my wife has a say in it. In fact, my wife had total say in it. She changed one of our kids' names while I went to get coffee on the birth certificate. That's right. What in the world? I just wish my parents would have at least considered naming me Adonis Arms Parish. We got a we got a commenter that says people don't realize everyone was once a baby. I think that's an accurate statement. Not that everyone was once a baby. That's factual. But I think people forget about the fact that everyone truly was once a baby. Anyway, Kevin O'Banner, Bryce Williams, both said 13. Kevin McCuller looked pretty good after missing a couple of games. He had 12, 6, and 5 there. So credit. Texas Tech, second win over a number one team in program history and it's the third time the red raiders in their school history have won back-to-back -back games against top 10 opponents so uh big time stuff there we're 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 talking seed bump city for the oh, red wow. raiders here and you know it you know it seed bump city this is going to wind up being uh a couple of wins that pay off just beautifully uh down the road and and for texas tech to kind of just really sh shut down baylor baylor went cold down the stretch i was i in real time, I was waiting for Baylor to make a couple of plays that just never materialized. It was a bit, it was a bit odd to uh, to see that overall. But yeah, twenty-one game win streak a snap for the Bears. It was the third long, third longest in uh, in Big Twelve history. Baylor had actually also won twenty-two straight home games. That streak is over as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, Baylor actually, even though it only lasted for a couple of hours, Baylor was the fourth team in the past 50 years to be the reigning national champions and make it the ensuing season to be the final undefeated team. This happened uh, with Duke in 2001, 2002. UNLV. 
UNLV and yep, uh, and Duke in 91-92 also did it. So it's not common that you have the reigning champs also wind up going the deepest into the next season before taking the final loss. But Baylor, even though it was only by a margin of three hours, uh, they qualify uh, with that as well, and they take their first loss. A record, school record, six consecutive wins against ranked opponents was also snapped but Baylor's 19 and 4 in its last 23 games against ranked teams one last thing on Baylor you mentioned like they went really cold like it, it got to a point where it felt like if they couldn't get it in transition they weren't going to get it and on that final possession James Akinjo was just dribbling and dribbling and dribbling like we're in studio watching I'm like yo man you got to shoot it or pass it because you're not getting anywhere with this and um he gives it up gets it back ends up taking a, a tough contested shot like he got it on the rim but it's one of those that if it would have gone in, it would have been lucky. It wasn't a clean look. It wasn't a good look. But uh, again, Baylor's fine. Texas Tech looks good. Um, it's just another reminder that the Big 12 is, uh, is, is, is ridiculous in terms of the quality at the top of the league and, and the depth of it. Um, before we move on to some other uh, games, I do want to point out, because we mentioned at the top, um, USC was also undefeated this time yesterday. They go and play a... Weird afternoon makeup game at Stanford, no fans. And um, while Baylor blew a big lead, you know, USC never really had one. Like Stanford was in that game the, the whole time. And it drops USC from 13 and 0 to 13 and 1. And I had mentioned this before. Um, you know, I'll respect perfection. But once you take that first loss, then I'm going to reevaluate everything with you. And um, the truth is, USC USC's good, but the res you know when you're 13 and 0 on January 11th, you you're you're doing you're doing all right. Mm -hmm. um, but th there's not a lot of substance there. I mean, do you realize what their best wins are? San Diego State on a neutral, which is good. Good. Washington State on the road, zero wins over top 30 Kimpom teams, just two quadrant one wins. Um, they're five and one in the first two quadrants now. But that loss comes to a Stanford team that's ranked 78th at Ken Palm. It's a Stanford team that lost to Santa Clara, lost to Colorado, formerly known as the Computer Trickers. Uh, I dropped them down to 13th in the top 25 and one. I had them six, dropped them to 13th because, and like considered dropping them even more. It just sort of, they settled in right there. But again, 13 wins, 14 games, nice, but there's not a lot of substance, no signature wins. Did you just say nada? Um, yeah, I would agree. And it was Stanford's first game since December 23rd. No fans at, at Maple's Pavilion there. Harrison Ingram and Spencer Jones, credit to them. They each had 21. And a good win for Stanford. They, they, they needed that as a program after just kind of going through a lot of just pauses and guys had to stay back um, in Hawaii. Literally, Jared Haas had to stay behind with a few players when they tested positive for COVID and he was doing their laundry and all that good stuff. USC did not respond well to its first top five ranking in the AP Top 25 since Hello. 1974 uh, Andy Enfield that said after the game, we just didn't defend at a high enough level and offensively, we couldn't make shots. We had plenty of good looks. Our offense didn't give our defense margin for error. We weren't good on either side of the ball as we have been for most of the season. USC had been playing pretty well defensively overall. In fact, through its first 12 games, not one team shot better than 40% from the field against the Trojans. The past two games, that hasn't been the case. Cal narrowly got past that uh, mark with 40.7% shooting over the weekend. And then the Cardinals shot 43.9% on Tuesday night. USC was going to be the lead item in the court report if, if it had been able to win. Um, and I was going to uh, speak with Andy Enfield and give him the, give him the front page treatment, if you will. 
Instead, it will be Kentucky, and we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, Kentucky will be the lead item, and then uh, what I'll mention here is also going to be in, involved in terms of the final undefeated teams taking their losses there. But yeah, uh, I would agree with you. Reevaluation is is in order here. Still think that USC is going to track itself well to get a good seed. Uh, I still like Isaiah Moby's been a fine, fine player this season on the whole. And I think he's got a shot at being an All-American once we get down the road. But uh, next up, because of the schedule crunch in the Pac-12, USC's got to turn around. And it's got two winnable games at home, Oregon State on Thursday and then Oregon Saturday. It's got to uh, it's got to get that done. Um, January 11th, by the way, just a, a side note with Baylor and USC falling on that date. Um, that's earlier than average. So in today's court report, if you listen to this on your phone or whatever, a couple hours later, go to cbssports.com or the CBS sports app and the court report will be up and the lead item will be about Kentucky. The second item has to do with um, historically how teams do when you are the last undefeated team, Uh, you know, TLDR is that second weekend is really should be the minimum baseline there. Average record of the of the team when it takes its final loss is 20 and 0. Neither of these teams got to that point. But um almost every team since 1991-92, the past 30 years, if you're the last undefeated team, I trivia time you here, but I feel like it might be a little too hard. So I'm I'm not gonna do this. Only two teams that have been the final undefeated team or being the last undefeated team on that final date haven't uh haven't made the NCAA tournament uh that same season um that were eligible. SMU also qualifies, but it wasn't it wasn't eligible the year that it did that. Um Clemson was obviously infamously one of them back in 07, I believe that it was and then in 2018, Villanova was one of the final ones when it had a very, very um, solid season alongside the likes of Arizona State, which wound up being good that season. And then the other team that season that was undefeated late uh, was TCU. So SMU and Clemson, uh, TCU that season, by the way, was a six-season tournament. So SMU and Clemson are the only ones that have made it to the final date of undefeated uh, standing and not made the tournament. So that's a good sign. Baylor, we know it's going there. USC, even if you think they were a little fraudulent because of the record, I still think it's going to gonna get there with plenty of ease. But uh, there'll be a whole data deep dive in Wednesday's court report about all that kind of stuff. I always get interested in what the pattern suggests there. Bottom line, Paris, my question for you before we move on to everyone else. When we get to March, is USC... Can't wait, can't wait to get to March. And when we get to Selection Sunday here, and we're a little more than two months away from that, uh, or we might actually be two months to the close to the day here. I think the tournament starts March 15th. I don't know off the top of my head. Anyway, question is this. USC, number five seed or better on Selection Sunday, yes or no? Five seed or better. Yeah, I'll say yes. Me too. I agree. I think that this team's defense will over, and I think it will do well. I think it's going to be in that spot in the Pac-12 could easily be in a situation where it has all three of those teams, USC, UCLA, Arizona, five seeds are better. And then maybe no one else makes the tournament or if there's a fourth team, it's going to Dayton. And if anybody knows when the NCAA tournament starts, uh, hit us, uh, let us, we're going to need to know. We're, we're going to need to know that. We know gonna, we got, <laughs> we're going to have to schedule around that. That's right. We're going to, we're going to, so like, uh, let's just, we'll figure that out. We'll figure it out at some point. Like you said, next up for USC, Thursday against Oregon State, then Saturday against Oregon, both at home. The rematch with Stanford, that's scheduled for January 27th. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So, Baylor's loss to Texas Tech means there is a new number one team on Wednesday morning in the top 25 and one. It's Bruce Pearl's Auburn Tigers, who went to Alabama Tuesday night and uh, won 81-77 despite foul trouble that turned into foul out uh, for Walker Kelser. Mm-hmm. Auburn's now 15-1, uh, 12-game winning streak, only team in the country that hasn't lost in regulation. The Tigers' 9-1 and record in the first two quadrants, best in the nation. Nobody has more quad one wins. And if Auburn wins at Ole Miss this weekend, and if AP voters know what they're doing, and who knows? Who knows? Can't say for sure. I nope. said this last night on TV. I said, if AP voters know what they're doing, if Auburn wins at Ole Miss on Saturday, um, Auburn should move to number one in the AP poll come Monday. And Adam Zucker said, well, do AP voters know what they're doing? It's not always, Zook. They don't always know. Um, but, well, let me just ask you, do you agree with that sentiment? Are you prepared to back Auburn as the new number one, especially if it wins at Ole Miss on Saturday? I think that is the uh, pragmatic and responsible voting decision. And I would think that there are a few AP voters that might be checking in on this podcast. I don't want to be too presumptive, but. Uh, uh, no, I, you realize what I'm doing right now. I'm influencing this. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to speak it into existence. It should be the case, though. It, but but it's the right thing. Like, I, that's the thing. I'll do the, all the work for you. you. Just have to trust me. That's, that's still asking a lot here. Still I've done the work. I've right. done the work. As we speak, we're here. It's Baylor at one. Baylor will drop again. We're going with the with the win over Ole Miss. Gonzaga is two. UCLA is three. Auburn is four. Historical voting behavior suggests that's just not going to be the case. Gonzaga has a game at home against BYU on Thursday and then is at Santa Clara on Saturday. It's conceivable the Zags could take a loss. So if that happens, it's going to make it easier. And then UCLA, which has played like six games this season. (laughs) Finally, the Bruins are getting back into the swing. It has home games against Oregon and Oregon State this weekend. It should win both of those. So I don't think what you are suggesting happen will happen. Uh, I think that UCLA, if it does not lose... And Gonzaga, if it doesn't lose, is going to maintain pole position on Auburn, which will be number three at worst if it takes care of business this week. I'm making it happen right now. It's happening right now. Yeah. Between this and the top 25 and one, I'm going to make Auburn number one in the AP poll on Monday. Trivia time! 
Do it. When was the last time Auburn was ranked number one in the AP poll? I'm going to say we got a trick question here and say it has never happened. You son of a bitch. It has never happened. I want to say Chris Porter and co. Circa 99 might have gotten up to number two. Shouts to Chris Porter, another college basketball legend. Absolute legend. And if you are listening to this podcast and are unfamiliar with that era of Auburn hoops and college basketball, go ahead and inform yourself. But I would think that team got close. Uh, They got to number two. Yeah, there, there we go. So, yeah, uh, big-time stuff, man. Uh, real quick on so – it'll, it'll be the second – if it happens, Auburn yeah. will become the second team this season to be ranked number one in the AP poll for the first time, the other one being those Boilermakers at Purdue. Correct. Purdue also detailed in Wednesday's court report. Oh, my um, God. You're promoing this more than that new Spider-Man movie. Got to do it. Uh, Jabari Smith at 25, 6, and 4 blocks – continues to be a joy to watch this he's just he's just awesome but so is Wendell Green man 19 points three rebounds four assists um had no turnovers he's been awesome 40 54 points in his past three games and to me tell me if you agree with this I thought about this last night as I was watching this game I, I almost feel like what Auburn is doing like Right now in college basketball, this was Bama a year ago. What Alabama was to men's college basketball in the in the 2021 uh, 2020-2021 season, where it was fun, a little bit surprising, a high-flying team, must-watch team out of the SEC, kind of, you know, just screaming toward a high seed, had to watch them. That's kind of become what Auburn is, in my opinion. It's, it's you know, top-five-level kind of team, NBA lottery talent on the floor, um, maybe a little bit erratic, but I – would you agree? They, they, well, it kind of feels like they're tracking towards similar storylines. That's all. I would take it a step further and um, and 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 say that what Auburn's doing right now would have been like if Kevin Durant's Texas team was the best team in the country. Like you know, we um, don't always have the number per, you know uh, among the players who are projected. And this is growing, by the way. Like a lot of people are starting to flip from Paulo and Chet to. I'm not uh, there yet, by the way. Smith. I, I, I mentioned this last night. I, I've been Paulo the whole way. I'm still on that. But I... I love that it's a conversation. It, it, it's a real conversation. And, it, and the right answer might be Jabari Smith. He is awesome. And so we don't always have... Um, the team I think should be ranked number one in the country, as of today, being led by a guy who might be the number one pick in the draft. I mean, obviously... Uh, you know, Anthony Davis in Kentucky, that was a thing. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns in Kentucky, that was a thing. But um, th- this is a, developing into a really cool story. And, like, it, it's coming just a few years, but with a totally different roster after Bruce Pearl took Auburn to the Final Four. Like, yes. I, I know that it's, you know, been laced with some, co- you know, they, they had a IARP case. And, you know, the, some people like to, I, I get it. But take that, set it over here for a second, if you can. And Bruce Pearl is a magician at Auburn getting this done. Again, and, and like Jamari Smith is awesome. Um, Walker Kessler, former five-star recruit. But not all these guys are playing in the NBA. Um, you know, Wendell Green's a transfer. Um, they, they, yeah. He's really put together a nice roster. And for them to go to Alabama, beat a rival, and what a rough two days for Alabama. Lose to... Georgia in football, lose to Auburn in basketball. Mm-hmm. To go there, win that, um, when you get almost nothing from Kessler because he picked up two fouls in the first three minutes, and 
to Bruce's credit, didn't auto bench him. Played some more in the first half, but only played 12 minutes before he fouled out. Two points, two rebounds. I mean, Walker Kessler has been their second best player consistently over the past few weeks. You get nothing from him and you still go win at Alabama. That's big time stuff. Auburn is, um, you know, I, I, needless to say, a, a national championship contender. And the fact that they're being led by um, a one and done freshman who might be picked number one. Um, it's a, it's a pretty awesome story. If Auburn maintains this pace, uh, we'll wind up talking a bit more about, um, or at least referencing that team that made the final four in 2019, uh, that did it, uh, you know, from the five line it, it did it in surprising fashion. And then, oh, by the way, came extremely close to beating Virginia in the final four there. But the, the idea that Bruce Pearl can get Auburn to potentially to two final fours in a four season span is just, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. And Wendell Green, yes, uh, Eastern Kentucky stand the hell up because that's where he played a season ago. And he's been he's been great. They It is more than just Smith and Kessler and even Green. Katie Johnson has really good moments as well. Alan Flanagan got good minutes again. Alan Flanagan was this team's most important player a season ago. If we look up in a month and he's he's grown back into that kind of role or something similar. Um, that's big time stuff. Devin Cambridge is good. They've got, they've just got a lot there, man. They're, they're a lot of fun. They're really good. By the way, on Alabama real quick, um, in terms of opponent win percentage, Alabama has the toughest strength of schedule in the country. Uh, people might not realize that, but, uh, as of this moment, as we record Wednesday morning, uh, 0.776 win percentage for Alabama overall. That's ahead of Ohio State at two, Oklahoma State at three. This is entire schedule, not just conference. Kansas and then Wisconsin. Those are your top five. And in terms of Ken Palm and how it ranks uh, strength of schedule overall, overall strength of schedule, Alabama sits at number two behind Prairie View A&M, which loaded up on bye games. So that really tells you something. Villanova is actually three and Ohio State is five. So if you're kind of looking to grade on a curve and see what teams have done well versus the schedule they've played, it's why Alabama still rates well uh, in predictive metrics. It's the best five loss team in the country, and no one can can argue otherwise there. But it has dropped a couple of games. It's two and two. It will have a road test against Mississippi State on Saturday. That is no gimme there. Um, I think there's a chance that Alabama could wind up just getting tossed into a four line or a five line because of its loss volume by the end of the season. But I could easily see this team being a trendy uh, pick to make it a second weekend run, a deep run in the tournament because of how much talent's there. I mean, J.D. Davidson's he's just he's ridiculous, man. And Shackelford shows you a lot of flashes in every game. Quinterly didn't have a good game, obviously. Noah Gurley's a bit inconsistent, but he still shows it. They just didn't quite have a good fight down the stretch, but Auburn built up enough of a lead to uh, to stave it off and, and good on the Tigers there because they look like they look like probably the best team in the SEC, but there obviously can be a, a real case to be made for Kentucky and LSU, as we've mentioned before, and we'll continue to talk. The SEC in the top half, that top third of the league, is uh, is really good, really fun, and is must-watch on a practically a nightly basis. It got a little goofy for Alabama in the final minute. Like, Quinterly had that wide-open three from the corner, uh, when they were down three and just didn't take it. And I, I know some people were like, well, you know, closed. Yes, somebody closed out, but he had plenty of time to get that shot off. Just didn't take it. And he and uh, Shackelford were a combined eight of 33 from the field. Hard to beat a good team doing that. Um, um, and Quinterly, just sort of broadly speaking, um, hasn't been great this season. You know, field goal percentage is down. He's only shooting 25.3% from three after shooting 43.3% from three last season. That's why he was the preseason SEC player of the year. 
he's taking more threes than he took last season, but making fewer threes than he made last season per game. And I, I, I thought what we've been talking about with Alabama um, for several weeks now, it showed up again on Tuesday night. Uh, one of the points I've consistently made is that Alabama is still playing the same, more or less the same style of basketball. Um, but the, the problem is they don't shoot it as well from three this season as they did last season. They don't guard anywhere close to the way they guarded last season, this season. And so what that does is because of the style of play, if you're going to launch, you know, 46% of your field goal attempts from three and play, you know, relatively fast, if you make them, uh, you're going to be able to beat anybody. And they've beaten good teams, Gonzaga, Houston. But if you don't make them, given that they don't guard, you can lose to anybody. Iona, Missouri, Memphis. And so what happened last night? Auburn shot 44.8% from the field against them. That's not great, but it's pretty good. And Alabama shot 22.6% from three. So what happened? They couldn't guard them. They couldn't make shots. They take another loss. I agree with you. They're the best five-loss team in the country, but I didn't think on January 12th Alabama would already have five losses, though the schedule um, has been challenging. Um, elsewhere on a busy Tuesday, mm -hmm. Kansas barely got past Ohio, uh, Iowa State, 62-61. Uh, Loyola, Chicago need a double OT to get rid of Valpo. That would have been a quad four loss, but they go on it. Miami's nine-game winning streak uh, was snapped at Florida State. Oscar Shibway went big again. Kentucky's win uh, at Vanderbilt. And Illinois we just walked right into Pinnacle Bank, as teams sometimes do. Any thoughts on those results or anything else that we saw on Tuesday night? Illinois did just walk right into Pinnacle Bank, didn't it? This is something, man. People you know what? Hmm. Everyone does it. It didn't Everyone. used to be this way. It didn't used to be this way. You know how people Don't talk about our country. The last time it didn't used to be this way, my friend. You know how people um, you know, sometimes talk about our country and they're, they're like, you know, all of the hate and the um, uh, nastiness. We were, yeah, we were a real country then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say, you know, it didn't used to be this way. It's the same way I feel about Pinnacle Bank. Pinnacle Bank is deteriorated much like our country. <laughs> it's, 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 think about it. I know. Illinois. Pinnacle, Pinnacle Bank is symbolic of our country in a lot of ways. And maybe the state of the Nebraska men's basketball program. Uh, are you aware that Fred Hoiberg's buyout is 18, more than $18 million? Yeah, that's I, think he, I think he has the largest buyout of any person in poor Nebraska. Basketball, but like, oh, who's got a bigger buyout than that, that we know of? Now, that's the biggest I've ever heard for men's basketball. Like, if you want to pull the trigger at the end of the season, um, if I remember correctly, at the time that it happened, Memphis might have paid the biggest buyout in college basketball history to get rid of Tubby Smith, a little more than $10 million. And yeah. so Fred at $18 million, is well, that's obviously bigger than that. Nebraska's in a tough spot. They got a football coach they don't know what to do with and a basketball coach that, listen, I like Fred Hoiberg. And what he did at Iowa State was amazing, but it's not going well at Nebraska. We can acknowledge that. Yeah, not not going well. Don't need to harp on it. Illinois is five and zero in Big Ten play for the first time in in seventeen years. Two thousand five, it started the league play fifteen and zero back then. Still no Andre Corbello back yet. He has not played in a long time, apparently due to lingering um, effects from a concussion. But we kind of wait and see when he. 
he's going to return. Seth Davis had reported earlier this week, speaking to Brad Underwood on the record, that the anticipation he would be back in time for this game, and he's not yet. But Trent Frazier, season high, 29 points. Uh, he was great. Kofi Coburn had 16 and 13. So Illinois continues to to look good. It's won nine, uh, nine straight in Big Ten play overall. And uh, and so, yeah, good win there. But let's focus on a couple of the other ones you mentioned there. Uh, Kansas-Iowa State. Roy Williams goes back, gets the treatment he deserves, and that was fantastic to see. He even wore the black. It wasn't exactly the black mock turtleneck like he wore back in the day. I was hoping someone was going to get him that Kansas sticker again because that was that's an an endearing, an endearing and enduring image, I think, for Kansas fans. And really, I don't know many other parallels. Uh, and I mentioned this, and I mentioned this in Wednesday's core report as well. But I just don't know if, of many other parallels where you had a coach have sustained long-term success at a power conference program willingly leave on his own to take another power another job that was lateral at worst if not slightly improved and there's basically no animosity like that that break was but there there was at the time a lot of time has passed i don't remember it being It was I not good being that bad, but Kansas fans that remember, maybe they, maybe they do not to say that there were no hard feelings, but because he went to his alma mater, like, you know, I think there might've been some anxiety around it, but I don't, I don't feel like this was a situation where it was like anything close to Cal leaving for Kentucky beard, leaving for Texas. You can kind of name that, it. That might be right. That might be right. I remember it being um, K, KU fans weren't thrilled, but perhaps it did fall short of, Beard leaving Texas Tech for Texas and Cal leaving um, Memphis for Kentucky. Although, um, you know, and you you can't tell fans not to be bothered or to understand. Um, but like 99% of coaches in America would leave Texas Tech for Texas. And like 99% of coaches in America would leave Memphis for Kentucky. Like unless you like, like unless Memphis is your alma mater you're probably leaving for Kentucky if Kentucky wants you. And maybe even um, um, even if Memphis is your alma mater, you're probably leaving for Kentucky. And so I've always tried to like tell people, you should understand they, they did great things at your school until they got presented with offers um, almost nobody would turn down. And the response to that is always, F you, Parrish. We hate those people. <laughs> so you can't talk to them. Yeah, you can't you can't have a conversation with these people. Um, but I, that was really great to that was that was great to see, and um, and it's kind of em, emblematic with that with that picture when Roy originally returned when he was coaching Carolina to catch Kansas, uh, and uh, had the sticker on there. Uh, by the way, um, Dave McCormick definitely had a, a goaltend that wasn't called. Uh, Isaiah Brockington with a little left-handed scoop layup late. Uh, if that is a goaltend, we might have a different situation. It didn't go Iowa State's way. So Kansas wins. What do you want? Uh, Allen Fieldhouse, Magic, Juju, whatever. <laughs> Five on eight. However, if you're an Iowa State fan, that's a bit bitter. I understand that. But again, I still maintain this is a legit team. This was a great. They are legit. They're totally legit. Battle, GP. Both teams played uh, really, really well in defensive end. Abaji bails out. McCormick didn't even have a good game. Ochai Abaji's like, it feels like almost all of his games, he's, he's scoring north of 20 a night here, and he played well, but Iowa State takes a tough loss on the road in league play against a really good Kansas team. And, again, at a certain point, you're going to want to get above 500 in the league. I get that. Completely reasonable for Iowa State. But 
playing Kansas and you and you played them tight. You just feel encouraged by that. So that, I don't know if you have any other thoughts. Yeah, well, I'm you know we were obviously discussing this game last night and it was noted that Iowa State's now I guess what one and three in the Big Twelve, and um and I, I was like yeah but like the one and three deserves some context. I mean they are in the middle of a stretch of games where they're playing six straight quadrant one games and so the losses are to baylor i mean baylor's blown out villanova and michigan state and iowa state played them played them to five points um the loss at oklahoma like i didn't love that one but whatever you know it, yeah, I, I you absolutely, love, you, you I absolutely just, loved it. Yeah, you I, love that one. Um, like that, that's not a great one. Double digit loss at Oklahoma, but like Oklahoma's not bad. Top 35 at Ken Palm. And then you lose at um Kansas by a point. I know Kansas didn't have Remy Martin, but like still it's Kansas, it's Allen Fieldhouse. And then you beat in this stretch, you did beat Texas Tech, the Texas Tech team that just beat Baylor. Mm-hmm. So you can discuss Iowa State a few different ways. One and three in the Big 12. Are they falling apart? Or Four and three in quadrant one with no losses outside of the first quadrant. Still a great resume. Still one of the best resumes in the country. I think this slow start to the Big 12, it doesn't invalidate Iowa State or expose them. It just, what, what, you name the team and tell me who's doing better than one and three in these past four games. You, you can name some, but there ain't a lot of them. Not a lot. Point point well taken. And again, just another really good game. I thought it was just wonderful for men's college hoops. You had the college football playoff wrap up. The next night we get a, a flurry of games. As you mentioned, Loyola Chicago never even leads in regulation at home against a bad Valpo team is down by as many as 12 and winds up coming back and winning in double overtime. I mean, Loyola Chicago shot three for 20 from beyond the arc in regulation and then went five for six in overtime. Braden Norris went nuclear he had he had 23 game high he had 14 and of those 23 points in overtime and weirdly enough uh loyal chicago's 12 and 2 through 14 games that's its best record through 14 games in five decades not the team from a season ago not the final four team uh none of them have been actually as good as 12 and 2 through 14 games as this one uh since the 1960s and 70s so that's uh that's pretty great elsewhere um i mentioned davidson umass by 10 to get to a 12 in a row and they were down early in that game too down early texas beat oklahoma by 14 i wanted to bring this up to you real quick what the pac-12 network is to you the longhorn network is to me that i had no shot of watching this i game. got that i got longhorn network i, I was no, i was i was like a child lost in a theater no shot at this game oh, man, if you, you ever want to see a vince young documentary just uh, uh facetime me i'll i'll show it to you i got I'm, i might need to uh show up on that but texas does beat oklahoma by 14 to win on the Longhorn Network. Miami's nine-game win streak ended at Florida State. I believe the Canes have dropped eight in a row to the Seminoles there. And Providence Creighton was called off about six hours before tip because PC, due to a combination of COVID and injuries, did not have enough players to give the Friars seven guys to play in that game. Having said all of that, I do have a trivia time for you. Okay, let's all go. Right. So, Kentucky beats Vanderbilt on Tuesday night. At Memorial, it's won 11 in a row against Vandy. Uh, Oscar Shibway was the first player. This is surprising. Uh, since Tayshawn Prince, first Kentucky player, since Tayshawn Prince in 2001, to have at least 30 points and 10 rebounds in a game. Credit to Shibway. I've been on the uh, Shibway first-team All-American uh, train pretty much the whole season. I'm still maintaining that. But um, 
we got a lot of candidates, and that's turned out to be a great thing for college basketball. Uh, Sheepway. Um, yes. 30 and 13. And like you mentioned, the uh, Tayshaun Prince. Tayshaun Prince went and had a 30 and 10 game, then went and had a whole NBA career. Yes. Won a championship. Yes. Took a front office job with the Grizzlies. Was unaware. <laughs> built a future NBA champion, perhaps our next NBA championship team. And it took all that time before another Kentucky player could do a 30 and 10 game. What in the world? Amazing. How about that? Tayshawn Prince, he, he's taking up residence in the Memphis Grizzlies front office right now. We're homies. How about that? Tayshawn <laughs> Prince, this will be an offseason pod one day. Tayshawn Prince, easily in my top 20 all time favorite college basketball players. Loved him at Kentucky. Loved his game. Big time, big time fan of Tayshawn Prince overall, but specifically when he was in college. This is my trivia time. Okay. When we talked, I believe on the previous podcast, uh, you had mentioned how when you look Luke, at Luke May. No, you had mentioned I like, you look I sometimes at, I like to try to answer the question before you know, know what it is. Know. You're not even you're not even close right now. Um, but you had mentioned when you look at Kentucky's resume, mm -hmm. it has not perhaps done enough to validate um good standing overall when you see who the losses is taken and the wins and who they haven't come against. Well, let me let me stop you for a second. I mentioned earlier Auburn's nine and one in the first two quadrants. Yeah. Kentucky's two and three. Okay. There is some indication, though, that this Kentucky team might be better than than you might be leading on. So well, I don't, I don't doubt they're better than the resume suggests, but yeah. the resume suggests what it suggests. So Kentucky does have three losses at this point, uh, and the losses have come all close. I'm getting a call. I got to cancel this thing. There we go. Thought we were going to figure that out. Absolutely. I'll be getting alert. I'll be getting alerts from YouTube. That this person called me. No, it's not I'll to be call me. At I'll be getting alerts from YouTube before you figure out how to get your phone off of your computer. But to your point, oh, it drives me crazy when people call me when, like, I've been doing a radio show from four to six for 13 years. Why would you call me at 414? Like, I get it. Like, somebody who doesn't, like, you know, live in the area or, like, you know, their Eastern time zone, and they just, you know, they're not consumed with my life. I got that. I'm mostly talking about people I'm related to, perhaps people I both had premarital and postmarital sex with. Uh, Why are you right. calling me at 414? Or this one, or this one on Monday morning. Um, hey, so what are you doing today? What am I doing today? Uh, recording a radio show, flying to New York, <laughs> same thing I do every Monday? What are we talking about? What are we doing today? And then she accurately pointed out, it's the dumbest pandemic of our lifetimes. You never know. Things change. And I said, I said, you know what, sweetheart? If things change, I'll tell you. But if I don't, just assume I'm doing what I do every Monday. And please don't call it 414. There we go. Um, maybe, it was, maybe it was a mini scoop, but whatever. We're podcasting. Okay. Kentucky's losses. First, I don't know what's going on in this chat. Someone says oh, Norlander's yeah. people. Norlander's vape dealer calling. I don't even know where that came from. Do you have a vape dealer? Norlander. Norlander fact. Never, never smoked like vaped cigarette ever in my life. How about never. that? Yeah, never. Good for not you. Once. Um, anything else you want to brag about? Cigars. It's not brag. I'm just saying. I'm not. I don't know why people think I got a vape dealer calling. Anyway. 
Kentucky's losses. This is the longest windup to a trivia time ever. No, no, I apologize. <laughs> uh, it's lost to Duke, Notre Dame, LSU. Those are all single digit losses, but they are all, you know, Duke is a reasonable loss. Notre Dame on the road. We'll see. Didn't play well. LSU obviously turning toward uh, being a high seed in the tournament. Are you aware of the fact? What's the trivia time? We, we screwed that up. Are you aware that every single Kentucky win has been by double digits? So when they're winning, it's a no doubt about it kind of situation to this point. No should doubt. Have, should have tried that approach at Notre Dame. It should have tried. Kentucky is winning its games by an average of more than 26 points. So when it wins, it's killing it. It's the only Kentucky team in the past 20 plus years to have every single one of its first 10 plus wins. And now it's at 13. The only one. The, uh, the Anthony Davis team didn't do it. The Carl Anthony Towns team didn't do it. No other team has ever won in the past 20 years every single one of its first 10 games, and now it's up to 13 with this team by at least double digits. Trivia time. Okay. Yes. One team in the yep. past 20 years of, at Kentucky had all but one of its games be double-digit wins in its first 10-plus victories. One. Yeah, 2010, John Wall. Incorrect. Okay. Incorrect. It was not the John Wall team. Should have been. Was not, and I've already told you, it's not the 38-1 and one team. It's not the 2012 championship winning team. Okay. Well, then this is easy. It is. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is going to be, you said the past 20 years? Within the past 20 years. Could be two years ago. Could be 20 years ago. So that takes us back to Tubby Smith era. People are saying they think they can see my breath on this video. What are you talking about? I don't know what people it's are saying. 67 degrees in my office right now. Dude, it's What's so dude, it's so cold in New York. Do they think I'm you? It's not cold in here. I'm oh, by this big window. I'm it's, by it's this reflection of the of the screen. That's what okay. People out of your minds. Anyway. I'm by this big window behind me and it's so cold outside. I've got I had to I had to put socks on to keep my little feet warm. It's frigid. Maybe you're the one who's vaping. I don't know what's going on. I don't I don't travel with that. <laughs> okay. Are you crazy? What Kentucky team? Oh yeah. Um only one Ken- game decided by single digits in its first 13 victories. Uh I'm going to I'm going to come up with a weird answer that's probably wrong but also weird. Billy Gillespie's first Kentucky team. Not even close. I'll give you it. The second Cal Kentucky team that made the final four, Brandon Knight, Terrence Jones, DeAndre Liggins, Darius Miller. And of course, that was the Jorts team. Josh Harrelson lost to UConn in the final four, but beat uh, the best team in the country, Ohio State, in the Sweet 16 that season. Weirdly enough, it was that team. Not easily guessable. But but yeah, so point is, this Kentucky team, when it wins, it wins big. And I think that is a good sign. And its losses have all been reasonable. It did not play well at Notre Dame, but it was a road loss. And Kentucky was aberrationally terrible from beyond the arc there. So Kentucky wins easily at Vandy yet again. And just keep, I think there's some, there's some indications here that Kentucky might be going forward what we thought it would be in the preseason. Then we kind of got knocked askew. And that is top five, top seven, top eight level kind of team there. We just need to see more evidence of that and beating high-level teams. All right, let's look ahead to Wednesday and Thursday uh, because I've got to try to get a nap in. Look at me. I'm so tired. Yeah, I see. Wednesday night, Villanova at Xavier. 
Duke at Wake Forest. Blue Devils only five-point favorites. Wake Forest. Yeah. LSU at Florida. And then on Thursday night, Ohio State at Wisconsin. Two player of the year candidates in uh, EJ Liddell and Johnny Davis. Mm -hmm. BYU at Gonzaga Thursday night. Colorado at Arizona on Thursday night. So the next two nights are a little lighter than Tuesday night, but still some okay. uh, interesting matchups uh, on, on, on tap. As always, we'll see if they get played. Did you mention Memphis UCF? No. Well, I, I will uh, because that's a spot that Memphis needs to needs to win there. And then Minnesota plays at Michigan State. Michigan State um, done well for itself. That's, those are both Wednesday night games. But, yes, uh, the big ones for me are Duke Wake Wednesday. I want to see Nova Xavier. I want to see how Xavier looks in that spot for sure. Uh, BYU Gonzaga, Ohio State, Wisconsin. You can toss in Indiana, Iowa on Thursday as well. So we've got uh, we've got a good couple of next nights worth of games before we get out of here. This is not college. This is NBA related. I have to mention this. I, the, the, I almost was in tears laughing at Devin Booker getting pissed off at that Toronto Raptors mascot. You saw that, right? I, I, I've, I've seen Devin Booker talking about it, and I saw where he said, we're homies now. It's all good. But I, did, I don't think I've seen the actual incident. Per so it's, it's, uh, it's Suns at Raptors Tuesday night. Toronto's not allowing any fans into this <laughs> to the building. And so the mascot is doing what the mascot does. Booker's at the line. <laughs> First of all, you got to see it in sequential order. Um, who's it? Worldwide Wob. He shares the he shares yeah. the clip on Twitter. Rob Perez. Yeah, Rob Perez. He shares Booker getting pissed and like complaining and there's like no one in the stands and and you're wondering like you don't see the mascot first. And so then you see, then you see he's the thing that Booker is all upset about is a fake dinosaur in a magenta colored costume. And then the <laughs> officials send this, this guy to the, to the corner to go and to go and sit down. And then <laughs> they show the replay and there's no one in the stands and the mascot is waiting for Booker to wind up to take the foul shot. And he's just waving his arms, flailing his limbs, jumping everywhere, going crazy, as he would normally be doing if the building was full. And so Booker is complaining. I, I'm Team Raptor here. It was, it was so funny. It was, it was the fun. I, I hadn't laughed that hard in a long, long time. And then they had the big inflatable one. That's like, <laughs> well, that's the part I saw. They were asking Devin Booker, was it the inflatable one? And he was like, no, it was the real Raptor, <laughs> the real Raptor. The real, it was, no, it was the real dinosaur that, oh gosh, it was. But the idea that Devin Booker is just this angry at this Toronto Raptor mascot, who's just doing what, what they're supposed to do. Ah, oh. it's kind of weird to have mascots with no fans though. Right. I know, but. The fan capacity situation should have no bearing on the the behavioral allowance of team mascots at these games. And and by the way, Booker made the foul shot. It's just, it was so good. It was so good. I I was, I just I had to bring it up because I didn't know if you. I knew yeah, you were in I, studio. I, so I don't know if you saw it, but like it is the the baseline angle of this of this after when you see what Booker's angry about, and then you see the second angle of it of what this mascot's doing just trying to do his job man just incredible stuff like i know everyone wants to talk about how awesome john moran is that's fine i want to talk about the raptor mascot that's all i want to talk about is the well, toronto raptor mascot and his beef with booker and i'm not believing i'm not believing booker's word 
They're not good. I can't wait for the rematch, which probably won't happen, what, till next year because they're not even in the same conference. We did, yeah. Well, did you see John Morant go into the crowd? I did not see John Morant go into the crowd, no. So Grizzlies got nine-game winning streak heading into last night, longest active winning streak in the NBA. Warriors in town. Steph, Clay, awesome. Um, you know, late-game situation, Grizz are up, trying to put the game away. Jod gets to the rim because he always gets to the rim. Foul and one. And he just keeps walking. He like uh, he gets pushed in the back. That's the foul. And his momentum carries him through the baseline. He just keeps walking into the crowd. And you see these two little kids. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're maybe like four rows up, three or four rows up, as you, as you start walking up the arena behind the goal. And they're like reaching out, wanting five. But they're wearing Steph Curry jerseys. So John Morant stares them down. Go find this. Stares down two eight-year-olds oh, i love it this is my house we're in memphis so in the post game he's asked about it and he says i swear this is my favorite quote because it's my favorite quote he said somebody asked him what what so what happened with you and those two kids <laughs> you were staring down after the am one and you know what he said they were in warriors jerseys that's disrespectful i love it we're in memphis that's disrespectful uh, he said but like i apologize to the kids i shouldn't be doing that but in that moment bro take your jersey off he said in fact somebody get their information i'll send them a john morant jersey so he's gonna send them a john morant jersey and hopefully next time we get to see them behind uh, the the goal um they'll be properly dressed to be inside fedex forum which has become uh, undeniably the biggest home court advantage in in professional basketball there we go and the grizzlies are going to be your 2022 world champions let's we'll see about that 2024 world champions that's coming very well might be shouts to david downey shouts to chester south carolina shouts to nelson haggerty the legend shouts to Larnell. thank you guys once again for listening to i own college basketball podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime What's going on out there? You know? Got to go te- got to go test here in a minute, dead leg. Wish me luck. I feel good. I'm symptom free. You made it to New York. I made it here. Now I got to see if I can make it back. So it's, it's a it's a it's a gamble every week, man. It's a gamble every week. A wild pandemic. What in the world's happening? If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including Apple Podcasts. And Spotify, you can leave five-star reviews at either place. You should. Write some nice words over at uh, Apple Podcast. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't ever forget that. Don't let them shame you. There's more of us than there are of them. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, seriously, Deadleg pointed this out. Go do that. Disrespectful not to have done that by now. I know lots of you have. We appreciate it. Lots of you have it. You should. Go subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel. Hit that bell button so you get, so you get alerts. Maybe. And then what are you going to do with the like button, Deadleg? Defense. You're not going to play defense with the like button. I think I think you play defense with the like button. I don't play defense with the like button. Once I get around that like button. Come on, Duke. You have to smash it. That again. <laughs> what? Pretty good. You know? Pretty, Pretty good. good. We should all be so lucky. That's right. 
you know? First to live into our 70s and then to have nice rhythm in their 70s. We're not all going to be that lucky, but we all should be. We should aspire to that. Brandon Davies would smash it. Whatever risk come with it, he's comfortable with it. We're going to talk to you again Friday morning. That's the plan. Looking forward to it already. Till then, take care. <laughs>